0: Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Happy Easter, FCBC family. It is an amazing time to be with you. Even though we're doing it digitally, I'm still grateful for this opportunity. I know many of us wish we could be in the sanctuary to worship together and to enjoy the presence of God together. But the truth is, church is more than just a building. It's about our fellowship. It's about what we embrace and what we embody. So no matter where you are today, remember, you are the church. You are the fellowship. You are the ones who make who we are as FCBC so profound. And so don't forget, I know it can be discouraging in this moment uh, to think that we're not able to come together and share and hug and laugh. But we can still do that just digitally. Let us be grateful to God that we still have a way of engaging in spite of this pandemic even right now. Before we get started, just want to reiterate a few announcements throughout the week. And that is, every day we have our prayer call. Mondays is mindfulness, Mondays with Pastor Kendrian. and on Wednesdays we have midweek motivation with myself. And then the other days we have our pastors offering prayer and words of comfort. We also want to remind you that there's TNT this Tuesday. I'll be teaching TNT as well on Tuesday. Uh, following up from today's sermon. And then on Wednesday, not only will I do Midweek Motivation in the morning at 7.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, but we just started last week uh, on Instagram Live uh, Midweek Motivation with Pastor Mike at 1 p.m. Eastern and so that our friends, our family on the West Coast and Central Time can watch as well and enjoy Midweek Motivation. Then on Thursday, we're back with our Spiritual Formation class Uh, part two with myself and Dr. Robert Harvey, social distancing as a form of spiritual discipline. Uh, Those of you who watched this past Thursday, we had an amazing time. It was really powerful. And we pray that many of you will jump on Thursday to part two of what I believe will be another transformative moment of tremendous improvisational dialogue between myself and Dr. Harvey. We had an amazing time. I really was excited and thoroughly enjoyed that time together. Well, family, you know, before we get started, uh, we like to declare our purpose statement. I often say declare it because it's not about reciting, It's not about just speaking. We believe in the power of words to shift and to shape the atmosphere. Words of power and transformation are found in our purpose statement or what I like to call our statement of identity. So together right now, where you are, kitchen, in your bed, in your living room, no matter where you are, let's declare those words together. We are an ever evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And guess what? If you cannot remember all that I just said, we have three powerful words. What are they, family? Live love, serve. God bless you. I want to lift up a scripture today that I pray will help us in this season. For although it is Resurrection Sunday, there's still people today who are living with heavy hearts, who are grieving. Just this past week, I spoke to one of our members who lost her husband, young man, and I could not imagine the pain she was feeling as we spoke. And I prayed with her but she's not the only one. There are countless people across our community, across this country, across this world, who today is a day filled with sorrow and mourning and grieving. And we have to remember them today. Don't let this be a day where no matter where you are, in isolation, social distancing, at home, always remember those today in which this is a day of sadness and a day of sorrow. And so let us remember them. I thought of what words could be shared today on this Resurrection Sunday that could help give life and empower those of us who are watching on today. And there's a scripture that came to mind. It is found in the Gospel according to John, the uh, 20th chapter, verses 24 through 29. I wanna read it for you in the New Revised Standard Version today. John 20, verses 24 through 29. And here's what it says. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Let's pray. God, we bless your name on today. We thank you, God, for how you're moving even right now. God, we ask that you allow your spirit to move from heart to heart today, not just in this city, not just in this state, not just in this country, but God, let your presence and your power be felt across this world today. But just as this is a day of celebrating the resurrection, for some, it's a day of mourning. God, be with them today. Sustain them, keep them. Let your hand of comfort and love cover them. Overshadow them, oh God, with your grace on today. We'll be sure, oh God, to give you all the honor, all the glory, because at the end of the day, oh God, Our circumstance, this pandemic, does not shape our disposition. God, we trust in you. And more than believing in you, we believe you, oh God. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to read that passage again for you, found in John 20 verses 24 through 29 in the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. And here's how it reads. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Today, I, I want to title this talk for the next few moments, Wounded Resurrections. Wounded Resurrections. I, I, I cannot begin to imagine how Thomas must have felt when he heard the word from the disciples, his brothers, his comrades, his friends. Thomas, we have seen Jesus. They were excited because the last thing they expected to see after the crucifixion was to see Jesus again. Even though he had told them and even spoke to them about the possibility of resurrection, they for themselves, according to John's gospel, saw him together. And when they saw him, they were overwhelmed with a sense of joy and ease and peace. And they told Thomas, Thomas, we've seen the master. We've seen Jesus. Thomas responds to them in a way that almost catches them off guard. I imagine in their minds they thought that maybe Thomas would be just as excited as they were, but Thomas's response almost undermines their celebration. Thomas says to them, until I can put my finger in those nail prints, until I can put my hand in his side, I will not believe which you claim to have seen. It is often at that moment, and I've said this before in the past at FCBC, but it's at that moment that people, not in the scripture, but we've referred to him as Doubting Thomas, which I've always said was an unfair label upon him. Because the truth is Thomas's frustration, even in that moment, was not because he did not believe in Jesus. He did not believe what his friends had told him. Why, Thomas, why wouldn't he believe? Why wouldn't Thomas trust the report, the testimony of his friends? And I cannot help but to think back on that moment. If you look in the Gospel of John back around the 12th chapter or so when, when Jesus had gotten the report that his dear friend Lazarus was dying, how Jesus waited and hesitated, and then Jesus decided that they must go to Judea, to go to Bethany in Judea. And the disciples are panicked. They are afraid. They don't want to go back to Bethany because in Judea, they reminded him, Master, they were trying to kill us in Judea. They were trying to kill us back there. Why would we go there? And Jesus begins to encourage them as to why they must go back. Remember, read that scripture, read that passage, read that scene. It was Thomas, whom we call Doubting Thomas, who many people call Doubting Thomas. He was the only one of the disciples who was not overcome with fear like the others. He was not overwhelmed with fear. The scripture says that he then declared, let us go with him being Jesus. Let us go and die with him. Think about that statement. Thomas was the only one who had declared and made up in his mind, if they are going to kill Jesus, I'm ready to go and die with him. That does not sound like the language of a man who doubts or who is afraid. But what it does reveal is that although Thomas had courage and confidence, The disciples were afraid so that when you get to this passage in John that I read from today, right before you get to that scene where Thomas has his encounter, the scripture, the record says this, that the disciples were hiding and gathering in the place they usually gathered. But this time they were hiding, door shut, locked for fear of what might happen to them because of what had happened to Jesus in the crucifixion. They were afraid. They were terrified. But what you must pay attention to in that scene is that while they were in the house, shut up, fearful, afraid that what happened to Jesus might happen to them, who wasn't there? Thomas. Thomas was not there. I'm not saying that Thomas was not afraid. But Thomas wasn't there. They had to report it. So while they were in the house hiding and afraid, Thomas was not there. I do not know where he was, but the writer of the gospel was clear to say that the other disciples were in hiding and were overwhelmed with fear, but Thomas is not hiding with them. He's not overwhelmed with fear like them to the point where they have to go tell Thomas what they saw. And when Thomas hears the report, he does not believe. It is not that he does not believe in Jesus. Oh no, he believes. He believes so much that according to the narrative around the raising of Lazarus, that while the other disciples were afraid, Thomas was ready to go and die with Jesus. That does not sound like the language of a fearful man or a doubting man. What Thomas was doubting was a testimony a fearful people, maybe Thomas was frustrated that their level of commitment, thinking back about the Lazarus scene, maybe Thomas was frustrated that their commitment wasn't where he was. Maybe he was frustrated because he expected more from them than hiding in a house and afraid of what might happen. We know that he wasn't afraid to die. He wasn't afraid to die with Jesus and go with Jesus, but maybe he was frustrated with them. Have you ever been at a point in your journey where you wish people felt the way you feel, were as passionate about something, as passionate as you are, who had the same kind of zeal, which you are zealous about. Maybe Thomas just wanted them to be a little bit braver, a little bit more courageous, a little bit stronger. And he had a hard time believing in the message from his friends who were overtaken by fear. Maybe his frustration, because I know I've been there. Maybe his frustration with his friends is what caused him to doubt their testimony. And so he says to them, not to Jesus, he says to them, the fearful friends, until until I can put my finger in those nail prints, until I can put my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Thomas's statement gives an insight into what I want to talk about today. Maybe Thomas said the only way I can believe what you all saw is if what I see is the bruises, the wounds, the lacerated side. Maybe Thomas gives us an insight maybe on another aspect of the power of resurrection. Let me share with you what I mean. Look at the scene. Thomas tells his friends he won't believe. A week passes. The scripture says Jesus appears before them. And this time Thomas is with them. But it says nothing about fear. It just says they were shut up in the house. And Thomas was there. And Jesus appears. And when Jesus appears, he goes right to Thomas. He doesn't say, Thomas, do you believe now? He doesn't say, Thomas, look at me, I'm here. Now, because you've seen me, you can believe. No, he doesn't say that at all. When he sees Thomas, he says, Thomas, come. Put your finger in those nail prints, put your hand in my side. Thomas is able to touch the wounds, to touch his side, to put his hand in the wound, to put his hands in the marks that the nails had left. And I can only imagine that if the nail prints, the holes are present, if the laceration from the side is still present, I have to believe that those marks were still upon the brow of Jesus that signified the crown of thorns. Can you imagine what they saw, what Thomas saw that day? He saw Jesus alive, and oh my God, the idea of the resurrected Jesus is enough to incite faith But that's not where the power of this narrative lies, my friends. The power is that, not that Jesus was risen, but look at how he was risen. He was risen, wounded. The marks from the crown, the holes from the nail, the wound in the side, visible and touchable. And he invites Thomas to touch the wounds. Now a few things and then I'll be done. The real hope for me, and there are some who may disagree, but the real hope for me is that Jesus, according to the story, rose, that's why We're gathered today. We're gathered to celebrate the resurrection. We're gathered to celebrate the resurrection power of God, the transformative, transcendent power of God. That's why you're gathered today. That's why you're watching today. That's why you're worshiping today. That's why you're gathering your family your friends and even sharing through text while you're watching on the screen right now because of the power of the resurrection. And yes, the idea of the resurrected Jesus is enough to celebrate. And it tells us that that resurrection power that was available for Jesus, that same power to lift, to rise, to transform is available. But my brothers and my sisters, I want you to see not just who was resurrected, but what was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected Wounded. It was a wounded resurrection. That's the hope that we really have. If Jesus was raised from the dead and there were no marks of what he had gone through, the question is, is it still as hopeful? Is it just as hopeful? But now knowing that wounded people can rise again, just as the wounded Jesus rose. Maybe, maybe that is the hope now. But there are many of us, even now, who are wrestling with their own wounds. Many have lost loved ones I've said it before and I'll say it again. No one will come through this season unscathed. Someone we know will be impacted, some family, some friend. We'll hear stories of those who did not survive it. And then we'll hear stories of those who survived it who still bear the marks on their very body, the signs of, of what they've been through. And they survived it and they made it through, but they made it through and they're still damaged, still wounded, and they'll still live the scars and the memory of this. Those who've lost loved ones will live with the memory and the scars of this moment. Those who had to live in fear and panic, uh, fighting that they may be the next victim of, of COVID-19 are living with the emotional and psychological Trauma and scars of this moment, and many of us, even right now, wondering how will I make it? How will I come through? Will I come through unscathed, or will everything I'm going through physically, psychologically, emotionally damage me permanently? Will it wound my aspirations, kill my dream, damage my hope, undermine my desires? Will I be able to make it? And this scene, this story, this word is a reminder. That resurrection can still happen in the midst of your bloodiness, in the midst of your damage, in the midst of your wounds. You can be resurrected and wounded at the same time. You can experience in your life a wounded resurrection. What gives hope? The fact that we can rise, and the fact that bloody, a little tarnished, a little messy, a little cut up, a little damaged. We still were able to get up, to rise from that place. That's the hope I get in this story. Because if I cannot rise in the midst of my wounds, and God's power has limitations. Power of the story is that God can lift us the midst of the marks and the scars and the open wounds and the pain and the anxiety and the fear and the panic and the dread and the angst and the fear and the panic and the dread and the angst and the fear and the panic and the dread, and the angst that we can rise. We will rise. We'll be able to tell our stories. The old folks used to say, my soul looks back and wonder how I made it over. Yes, there'll be some, who be lost along the way, but we'll be able to tell the stories of their fight. And then we'll be able to tell the stories of our fights not just from COVID-19 but for everything we've been through and came out on the other side with damage and hurt and scars but can look the damage and the wounds in the face and say, I'm still getting up again. God's power is working in me. And those beautiful words, the late great prophet, Maya Angelou. And still I rise, still I rise. I rise, I rise. Your wounds are not an excuse for the power of God can be felt in the midst of your woundedness. And just maybe, like the story shows us. After Thomas touched the wounds of Jesus, he began to worship. Maybe when people see your wounds, they'll give birth to their worship. So right now, while you're hurting, don't be ashamed. While you feel the pain The angst of the moment, don't despair. The power of God can pierce any situation and lift you, lift you from where you were to where God desires you to be. So today, when you finish watching this service, this broadcast, let that idea run rampant through your mind, wounded, resurrections, bloody, but I'm still going to get up, damaged, but I'm still going to get up, scarred, traumatized, but I'm still going to get up because the power of God can lift me in the midst of my brokenness. I believe that. I believe that. I truly believe that amen. Come on, let's pray together. God, we thank you. We honor you, O Lord, for this moment. We thank you, God, for this resurrection day. And God, we know that for some people, it's a day of pain, and it's a day of grief, and it's a day of mourning. But God, thank you that you still resurrect damaged people, You still resurrect wounded people. You still resurrect broken people. God, here we are. Open wounds and all, damage and all, and still we rise. Thanks be to God. And nothing can not only separate us from your love, O God, but nothing and separate us from your power. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Don't forget that after the service today at 1 p.m., we're gonna have a talk back, a sermonic talk back with myself. And so you can go over to my Instagram page and I'll be on IG Live at 1 p.m. today after the service is over. Get some time, go get something to eat. Come back and check me out on Instagram Live. We'll talk about wounded resurrections. And also don't forget, as you are even listening now, remember to lift those up today who have lost someone, a friend, a family member. Remember to lift someone up today. Call out somebody's name, even who you know may have passed away. And for those families that are hurting Maybe we need to speak life and power to them. But most of all, when we speak their names, we call them up to check on them. Remember that wounded resurrections are still real and possible. When you seek to comfort and speak those words of comfort, don't do it without believing and trusting in the resurrection and the resurrecting power of God resurrecting power of God. Peace and blessings, family. Much love. And we will come through this because we are warriors. Peace.